Sometimes we think about our spiritual journeys as these solo quests that we set out by ourselves on foot, taking one step at a time down a long, windy road. But you are not alone. Often we are joined by companions, maybe even more than one. They can give us hope, they can help us walk, they can make us laugh when we feel like crying, or even cry us when it's time to cry. These companions make a huge difference along the way, so look for them, invite them, embrace them. Could be the biggest blessing of all. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We are still on the road with our summer series, On the Road Again, Finding God in the Unexpected Journeys. And this week, Pastor Teresa joins us in our journey. She shares the story of Ruth and Naomi and how God often provides an unexpected traveling companion to help us grow and maybe even to help us keep going. So let's check it out right now. Well, here we are on the road again, finding God in the unexpected journeys. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Teresa. I was associate here for eight years, and I was gone for out year, eight year, uh, two years, and now I like to say I'm back by popular demand, right? <laughs> and so... <laughs> Love you all here, and it is my great joy to bring the word to you this morning when Pastor Jason is away on a much-deserved vacation. Well, we are continuing our series, On the Road Again. And, you know, lots of times when you get in your car and you're on the road, it's all about getting away from everybody, right? Aren't there lots of songs about that, you know? going down that highway, right? Going to another town. Maybe when I find what I'm looking for, then I'll settle down. Trying to get away from everything and everyone that's driving you crazy, right? The good times are all gone. I'm bound for moving on. I'll look for you if I'm ever back this way. So sometimes that's what getting on the road is all about, is getting away from everything and everyone. But many times, the best part of the journey is the traveling companions that we find along the way. Now, as many of you know, I'm one of 13 children, which means there was not a lot of alone time in my life growing up. And um, in those days, there were no car seats and not too many seatbelts, and so they just threw all of us, 13 of us, into the back of the station wagon. And all anyone ever said was, don't sit next to Teresa because she gets carsick. And so that's what our traveling days were like. And it taught me to value those companions that come along with us on the journey. Now, of course, there's some wonderful movies about traveling companions, and uh, many of you know Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Steve Martin and John Candy. Just wonderful, wonderful story about hitting the road, trying to get home for Thanksgiving. They are unlikely companions that find each other. It is not the one they would have chosen to share the journey with. And isn't that what happens to us so many times along the road? We don't get the companion we would have chosen to share the journey with. 
And then a more recent film, maybe uh, many of you know this one, Green Book, which is another story of unlikely traveling companions. They choose to travel together. A working class Italian-American bouncer becomes the driver of an African-American classical pianist during the 1960s in the American South. And of course, as with so many traveling stories, the relationship becomes the most interesting part of the journey. And so my question for us this morning is how do traveling companions help us on our journey? And we're going to look today at the story of Ruth and Naomi to help us answer that question. Their unexpected journey begins with a shared loss. So let's take a look at their story from Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Well, you see that we have a story of three funerals that leave three widows behind, and they have three decisions to make. You know that times of loss often bring us to times of decision. Now, you got the story. There was a famine in Bethlehem in Judah, and Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons went to the neighboring country of Moab, where there was food. The two sons marry Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, and then Elimelech dies. 
Then the two sons die, leaving three grieving widows. Grief sets us on a journey, often an unexpected journey. We know that we die. We know that everyone we love will die. But when we lose those people closest to us, sometimes through death, sometimes through broken relationships, sometimes because people move away, it can often set us on a path of profound loneliness where we question God. Is God still with us? We question everything about our lives. And in the times of Ruth and Naomi, it was also a precarious economic condition for women to be left in. And so there are endless exhortations throughout the Old Testament to care for the widow and the fatherless in their distress. And God promises to be a husband to the widow and a father to the fatherless. More recent story, many of you know Russell Baker, Pulitzer Prize-winning author, wrote his life story called Growing Up. And he tells about when his father died, that he and his family had to move from Virginia to, of all places, New Jersey. Totally foreign country, right? Here he had to come. And, of course, he met, for the first time in New Jersey, Italian-Americans who taught him how to eat spaghetti with a spoon. And Russell Baker, Pulitzer Prize-winning author and columnist for the New York Times, his very first essay was How to Eat Spaghetti with a Spoon. So some of you are blessed to have Italian friends and relatives here in New Jersey, as I am, that taught you how to eat spaghetti with a spoon. But of course, it's great upheaval for a family when the breadwinner is gone. And so Naomi's pain is bitter because she believes she must return to her own nation of Israel because she's heard that there is food there now. But she thinks the Lord has turned against her. She still has faith that the Lord will do good for her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. But she doesn't think he will do good to her anymore. She expects to be all alone, without God and without hope in the world. I want us to stop here a minute to think about multiple losses, to think about those times when there is grief upon grief, when there is sorrow upon sorrow. As a pastor, I have the privilege of people inviting me in to their pain. Some pain is obvious and public, and you know what the loss is. Some pain is very private and cannot be shared with anyone. Repeated losses have this effect on us of making us lose our hope and not believing that God cares for us anymore. I think some of the most hopeless people I have had to walk beside are diabetics that have had multiple amputations and are now facing another one. It is so hard for them to see where the Lord is in their situation. You know people, we have people right in our congregation here who lost a parent and then their house burned down, 
We have people that have gone through a painful divorce and then find themselves in an equally painful remarriage. We have people that have one child on drugs and then their only other child moves far away. I've told you about my dear friend, Gail, who had her first child, died of a genetic illness when he was five years old. Her second child had already been diagnosed with the same genetic illness. She knew that she would die by the time she was five. And then her husband, age 39, died of a heart attack unexpectedly. And I remember that time I said, Lord, do you know what you're doing? Do you know who this person is and all that she has lost already? We have these times. It was my privilege to walk beside my friend Gail as her traveling companion during her time of grief. And I remember her saying to me that the hardest thing for her was to believe that God still intended good toward her. When we're on a journey of multiple losses, it can be hard to drag ourselves out of the pit to choose life. We're tempted to isolate ourselves. We are tempted to withdraw. And so it is important that we choose company. And the Lord often sends us some unlikely company in our times of loss. So here we have three widows that are making three decisions, all trying to choose life. They choose different paths. Orpah decides to go back to her people in Moab. Naomi decides to return to Bethlehem. And Ruth decides that she is going to stay with Naomi. Ruth's words are words that are often read at weddings. And many times people don't realize they are words of a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law, making a promise. And so you know these words from Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? So our question this morning is, how do traveling companions help us on our journey? Ruth and Naomi return to Bethlehem. They each have considerations. For Ruth, she's going to a foreign place, a foreign place where she risks rejection as a Moabite because the Moabites had oppressed God's people for years. How would she be accepted? in the land of the Israelites. Naomi is in one sense going home, but she's been so changed by her losses, by life's hardships, 
that it may seem like a completely new place to her after 10 years. How will they survive? How will they be provided for? Together, Ruth and Naomi help each other to choose life. And so that's what we see about the traveling companions that are given to us. We see, first of all, that traveling companions remind us to hold on to our faith. Ruth reminds Naomi of her faith. She says, your God will be my God. How did Ruth know Naomi's God? We think that Naomi must have been the one that taught Ruth about Naomi's God. But now Ruth is reminding Naomi to have faith that God sees the way that we take and God will not abandon us, even in our times of greatest loss and grief and pain. It's easy for us when we're in pain to push away all of those we love and to push away the God who loves us. But Ruth speaks to Naomi words that I believe come from the Lord himself. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And so we find as we travel the road with a traveling companion that we can find God again in the community of faith. That is one of the treasures when we come together to worship is that we can encourage one another not to let go, to keep holding on to the faith. We find God among God's people who encourage us to hold on and find God even in the midst of the pain of loss. The next thing that traveling companions help us with is to renew our hope. Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. It is so hard in times of loss and in times of repeated losses to have hope for the future. And we hear the Lord's promise through Ruth. Remember, Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And so we ask that question in times of loss. What will my end be? Will I die all alone? Will there be no one for me? Psychologists tell us that for battered children, the presence of a sympathetic witness is what makes all the difference in children that are able to survive and come out the other side of that and children that are not. And so in the Lord Jesus, we have a sympathetic witness who comes alongside us and travels the road with us. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, scripture tells us. He wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. He sat at the bedside of the sick and he is our sympathetic witness 
that tells us, I see your pain and you are not alone. And that gives us hope. And finally, traveling companions help us to love God and to love one another. If you've traveled with someone, you know that sharing a room together, negotiating where to have dinner, what to do next, all of these things are exercises in loving one another. And so we see that Ruth and Naomi are given to each other as traveling companions. And they remind us that the Lord Jesus is our ultimate traveling companion, the one who comes alongside us and is the one who invites us to faith, who says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus is the one who renews our hope, who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus is the one who pours out his love into our hearts. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you find yourself on the road again, maybe on an unexpected journey, May you find traveling companions that help you hold on to your faith, that renew your hope, and help you to keep on loving God and those entrusted to you. May you put your hand in the hand of the Son of Man who asks you to journey with him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.